Shabbos, thank you for accommodating the, the later start. I figured with Mincha Mayrev ending this time, if this food would be out at the same time as Mincha Mayrev, there wouldn't be a minion. There wouldn't be a minion. So to, say, to safeguard the continuity of, uh, of services here at the shul, I figure you push, uh, push here a little bit. We'll have to, whatever. we can't do this every week because this manam is still getting later, but at least for tonight, for tonight it worked out. I will say uh, a very special thank you to... Reb Nechem Feldman, who was our mashke sponsor for the recognition of his father, father's yard set. Sorry, yard set name. David Reb David Ben Rameyer. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, merit Hashem, the Neshama Shnav and Aliyah, the family in Nechem, and there is no doubt that uh, you know there's a Gemara that says Bra Mizake Abba, that a son, a son ultimately provides an ongoing zikus for his father, even when the father is no longer in this world. The son continues his work, no doubt. That Nechemia is certainly that kind of son who is Mekayim Bram Zaka Abba each and every day. Father Zanushab Shamashab Alechta Gan Eden. Yes, Hashem be Amel, it's Yosha for your Mishpacha. A very special thank you to Reb Tzvi Friedman for the, uh, for the, Chavra, there's even like authentic Yerushalmika. It's, no, no. it's pretty Right? I mean, like, this is like, somebody, somebody thought it was a shrimal. It's not even a shrimal. Like, it's Yerushalmika. It's Yerushalmika. It's Tzvi, beautiful. Chavra, you should just know, like, when Reb Tzvi does this, like, it's just, 
He doesn't go into work. He cancels all family obligations. He's not busy. He's not busy during the day. He has a lot of time. Okay, Shem. on behalf of the entire shir. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's uh, let's continue. Let's continue tonight. We have a, a beautiful, beautiful shear ahead of us tonight. We're going to begin a piece tonight, which Emir Hashem is really going to take us over the next two weeks. This week, this week, and next week. And I mentioned mentioned last week. I was supposed to be in Eretz Yisrael this week. But I think Hashem has other plans. But if you can't be in Eretz Yisrael, at least to be able to learn the Piyazetzna together on the erev Shabbos Kodesh with with uh, with. Beautiful chaverim and a beautiful spread is such a, it's the next best thing to Eretz Yisrael. The next best thing to Eretz Yisrael is what we have here Thursday night, Baruch Hashem. So, I will say, so let's begin. We're picking up on page 41. Page 41, Os Yud Ches. Os Yud Ches. So let's, let's, okay, good, good. Okay, so I'll say, so we're going to, I made reference, I made reference a little bit to this last week. And the Mir Sasha and the really have the opportunity to iron a little bit, and you're going to see. I, I've found, I, I know I say every week that this piece of the Piazzetna is the most profound piece. This, this week you're going to see is something a little bit different that I think for, for many of us is going to open up a whole new world of understanding. So let's take a look. Isa Besefer Beis Aaron. So over here again, the Piazzetna goes on the Sefer Beis Aaron of Aaron Karliner, who says, Ala Pasik. Tushuri Mirosh Amona. So I'll say, so this is a pasuk from from Shira Shirim. So the literal the literal text, the literal translation of the pasuk is Tushuri Mirosh Amona means look out, look out, or gaze Mirosh Amona from the top of the mountain of Amona. That, that, that's the pasuk. That's the pasuk. Now, without getting into the pasuk pshat, because this is a Hasidic here. We don't need Pasha Pshat, right? We skip, we bypass Pasha Pshat. So I both say, so the Piazzetz and the quotes from the Beisana says, in Bezal Kodesh. He quotes over here, he quotes over here in Yiddish. Tigares Temuna, Taifot Hot, is Zingin Derosh Darfun. So the Beis Aaron essentially says as follows. He, he darshins it a little bit, a little bit differently. He says, Tishuri Mirosh Amana. He says, Tishuri is the same notion of Shira, song. What's the role of song in Yiddishkeit? And I've also said, by the way, song, we're going we're gonna to use a lot of words, but we're going to use them interchangeably. We're going to use the word song. We're going to use the mu- word music. And we're really using them interchangeably. Nigun, all interchangeably. So look what the Beis Aaron says. Tashuri, Shira, Rosh, Emuna. The highest form of Emuna that a Jew could express is in the form of Shira. There is nothing higher than song. There is nothing higher than music. Tashuri, shira, meirosh, emunah. A little bit of a play on words. Is the rosh, is the height, is the, is the pinnacle, is the apex of all emunah. I will say that the truth is, even before we go on with this, the truth is we know, it's actually tomorrow's dafiomi, we're going to talk about this. It's not an accident that the most profound parts of the Torah are shira. Right? Re- remember again, remember again, you have Az Yashir, that's going to be in tomorrow's Dafi Merz Hashem, when Klal Yisrael crosses the Yamsuf, Az Yashir Moshe Ben Yisrael says, Shira Hazos, why is Shira? Why is Shira? Right? Again, Parshas Ha'azinu, Parshas Ha'azinu, which effectively is Moshe Rabbeinu's covenantal song between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael, Ashira. There's something unique. Whenever the Torah Kedosha wants to express something that is just dramatically beyond the power of the spoken word, we use Shira. 
Shira. So that's the shot of the base Aaron. Tishuri Merosh Avana. Shira song. Shira song is the highest form of Emuna. But let's analyze it. So I think I think for many of us, what I found very exciting about this piece is we knew this even before the Piaget's said it. Right? How did we know it? How did we know it? Because you've experienced it. Because of us, I think for many of us, if you ask, if somebody were to ask you, when was the most spiritual moment of your entire life? I would bet that chances are it involves Shira. It involves Shira in, 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 some, in some way, shape, or form. Some way, shape, or form. So here, all the Rebbe, what the base Aaron is doing is, the base Aaron is framing it in the context of a Pasik. To Shuri, Shira, Merosh, Emona. Merosh, Emuna is the highest form of Emuna. So let's analyze. He says, In Kavanoso, Levar es Ingen Hanegina, Va'olam Hanegina Bazeh. So again, to be clear, the Piagetsna says, the goal of the base Aaron was not to explain the concept of Negina, the concept of music, and the world of music. Others will say, I want to point out that in Hasidus, you'll find many things written about music. For example, Rabbi Nachman says, Rabbi Nachman says, the highest level of Ruchnius, the highest level of spirituality that a person could reach, is the level of Nigun. So the Rebbe says, the level of Nigun, the, the level of song. That's, now what Nigun means in the world of Rabbi Nachman is a whole discussion as well. But I'm just pointing out, this is not unique to the Beisaran, not unique to the Piagetzna. And he says, our goal over here is not to explain, ultimately again, what music is and the world of music. The beauty of this Sefer, Piagetzna says, we have one singular purpose, one singular goal. What's our singular goal in this entire Sefer? He says, right, There's one goal. What's the one goal? What's the one goal? The one goal is how to draw out water from your soul. See, it's such a beautiful metaphor. The Rebbe says, excuse me, the Rebbe says, the soul is like a well, right? You could have an incredible well, but the well only does something if what? Or the well is only meaningful if? If what? You're able to draw into the water, right? In other words, if, if you have a well, if you have a well that has an endless supply of water, but you don't have a bucket and you don't have a rope, you could sit there and admire the well until you die of thirst, right? But Lamaise the well, so the Rebbe says, each of us has this neshama, and the neshama contains so much, such, such a volume of beautiful, sweet waters of ruchnius. And what's our greatest problem of life? The greatest problem of life is, I don't have a bucket. I don't have a bucket, or, or I have a bucket, but I don't have a rope. I, 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 I'm lacking the mechanisms through which I could access the water. So I will say, I, I, he, he has not used this muscle so far the, the entire, he's used many, many, many metaphors. To me, th- th- this, this is beautiful. This is it. I will say, this is it. What's my greatest problem in life? See, I will say, we often think, the mistake we often make is that we have to acquire spirituality. You don't have to acquire anything. Rather, what do you have to, it's not acquire, what do you have to do? Wrong word. Not acquire, but... Access. Access. Not acquire, but access. Because acquire makes it sound like there's something you're lacking, and now you have to get that. That's not the case. We already saw this in the Piaget's now, right? There was, this was two weeks ago we spoke about this. Every, each of us is sitting on a repository, on a deep reservoir of holiness. It's not the problem that I lack holiness. I, I have it all inside of me. I'm brimming with it. I was born with it. My challenge is, I go through life, 
and I don't access it, right? I will say, because you can't go to Shur without talking about Shalosh this, right? So, so what happens? What happens? When I come to Shalosh this, all I see is, all I see is, it's right, right, the chair, good. Tuna and egg salad, right? That's what I see. Maybe even the same one from last week. It could be the same one, right? No, I'm just kidding. Kinwa. We did have Kinwa this past week, which was, uh, no, that, that was, that was wrong. That was what? It was Pesach? Yeah. I thought it was yeah. left over from a sisterhood event or something. Come on, who's eating quinoa? Enough, enough of that. Enough of that. You eat it on Pesach because, right. again, there's nothing else. But Lamaisa. And anyway, I would say, so, I, so what's, what's the great challenge? What's the great challenge? The great challenge is all I see is the tuna fish and egg salad. And meanwhile, again, I could see the chariot. I could see, the problem just is I'm not accessing. I'm not asking. It's, it's not acquire. Both say, so you, ch- you, ch- you change the lexicon. We always speak about acquiring Kedusha, acquiring holiness. You don't have to acquire anything. Anything and everything you need already exists inside of you. The problem is access. I have to access it. So the Piaget says, that's our goal, right? That's our singular goal. Our goal is to figure out how to access the deep well of spirituality which exists within each of us. And I will say, what's my goal? What's my goal? I want to find my inner voice. Such is Lashon the Sieg is so beautiful. To, to literally, again, to uncover, to expose, to discover my inner voice. The Kol HaChai, the living voice which exists inside of me. So again, say for the Piaget, it says... The only reason we're speaking about music, right? We, we could talk, we could talk much about music and the power of sheer and the power of Nagina and the power. We can see all the, Pijan says, what's our goal? Our goal is to try to figure out how to access the well, right? That, that's, that's my goal. So therefore, the Pijan, let's, let's stay focused. Now look what he writes. Obviously, obviously, before we go on, what we know already from the base Aaron is that clearly Shira is going to play or can play a major role in the accessing of my spiritual waters. Song, music can play a pivotal role in accessing my inner well. That, very, that's what I know. So I will say, so the PhD says, now before we go on, he'll say, now you can, you can look at, listen to this. You can say, okay, music, song could play a pivotal role. But here's the problem. There are plenty of people who have very good voices, right? They could sing very nicely, right? They could sing very nicely. They could hold the tune. They could hold the key. They could hit this note and that note and this, that, right? But there's not ruchnius there. There's not ruchnius there. So they, they could put on a wonderful performance, but that's what it is. So what the Piaget is saying is, you're going to listen to this, you're going to say, oh, Nagina is so powerful. Shira is so powerful. But one second, there are people who seem to have master, right, Shira, but yet they're not spiritual people. So what, how, how do you reconcile that? He says, By the way, it's not like music is uniquely Jewish either, right? There are plenty of non-Jews who are musically talented. So how can you say that music is or shira song is the way that I access my inner spiritual waters when often song is not used for spiritual purposes, right? And very when, when a song hits you, no matter what it is, people say that it has like it has their soul to it. Mm-hmm. Their soul to it. They, they hit to it at, 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 at a spiritual level. 
even if it's just a, a certain sound or a certain type of instrument, it, it resonates. It has soul. But don't you think that it depends who it comes from? Does, doesn't that play a role in it? In other words, when people say, I don't know, I, I would think that when people say that music has soul, I, I, I'm assuming that there must be something they're sensing deep down from the singer. Yeah. Yeah. It could be an experience I, that the song is associated right, with. Right, right, right. I heard right. a silly song in the car the other day that my father loved that I started crying and I sent it to my sister. She's like, I'm putting the kids to bed, I can't listen to it. It was it's such a trite song. Right, but you associate it with something else, right. But it brings up the wellspring. But, but the truth the, is, association, that association you could find with, with everything. You know, let's say I'll tell you, I once read about this. I was reading a biography of Sigmund Freud. Oh, this is going back long ago. And interestingly enough, one of the first cases that put him on the map is totally not related to anything we're learning, but just because <laughs> Steve mentioned it, was a woman, a young woman came to him and she could not remove the smell of burning bread from, from she couldn't, she, everywhere she went, she smelled burning bread. She went to doctors, they thought it was a medical issue, uh, nothing, nothing. So to make a very long story short, what Freud discovered was this woman worked in a bakery, she worked in a bakery, and her boyfriend of a number of years showed up at work one day and told her, we're breaking up. We're breaking up. She got so lost in her pain that the bread burnt. Mm -hmm. So that association. So I'm just bringing it up. So association you could have with burnt bread, you could have with music. I think with the Piagetsna, and Rabbi Yaakov, I think to the idea with soul, I would think, I would think that that's still somewhat tied ultimately to the person, but maybe not. But again, I think what the Piagetsna saying is the point is, you could find powerful music, beautiful music, beautiful Shira Nagina that doesn't come from holy sources. So how does that work? If Shira itself is the most, one of the most powerful ways to access your inner spiritual waters, then I would think that by definition, anyone and everyone associated with Shira should be holy. But yet that's not the case. So how do you reconcile that? So the Rebbe says, in Caroline, Rabbi Yaakov, I think, I think the truth is Piaget's not saying really what you're saying. He says, Ki anigun, what music is, Rabbi what music is, is Gilu There is something about music that is inherently spiritual. Right? In other words, what the Rebbe is saying is that is true independent of who sings it. Right? There's just something about the dynamic of music that by definition is inherently spiritual. He says, Gilia Nefesh. It, it, it reveals some hidden part of the soul, and feelings. So I'll say, really, it's two things over here. Music touches on two points. Number one, number one, the neshama, the soul, the soul spirituality, and emotion. And what the Rebbe is saying is, that could be true, even if it comes from a source that's not particularly holy. Right? There, could, there, could be, there could be a tune, there could, there could be a nigun, there could be a nigun that by definition just touches you, but at the end of the day, it does come from, because music has that power to again touch the soul, touch emotion. And sometimes, ultimately, again, what music has the ability to bring out is that the same way Rabosa, you know, like, if you're having a particular challenge and you talk it out with someone, talking something out with someone allows you to crystallize how you're feeling. Right? That's that's the power. Right? That's the right power of talking things through. Right? Is is that often I'll say sometimes like the best therapists, right, don't have to necessarily tell you any great itza. What they're just doing is they're just creating the space 
for you to talk through mm. these issues. Because often in life, for whatever the reason, I'm just not able to work it through. So, so somehow I come to someone else's office, I sit there, they have a nice couch, it's quiet, there's nothing else going on in my life, I talk for an hour, and so I'm like, wow, thank you. Mm-hmm. The therapist's like, no problem, just stay at the door, right? Right? But Balamai said, there's a chachmatzvah. Because what the therapist is doing is providing, is providing the atmosphere in which you could do the work you need to do. So that says something amazing. The same way that we're often able to achieve clarity and understand ourselves and our feelings when talking to someone else, music has the ability to do the same thing. Sometimes hearing the right nigun, hearing the right music, could give me the type of clarity that I get through talking something out with another person. Such an incredible idea. And I will say, it's true. Anyone who's ever had one of these musical moments knows that sometimes the clarity one could feel in a moment of shira, in a moment of shira, the the comparison is a good one. Sometimes the only other time you really could feel that is when you're sitting down with someone who you love, or if you don't love them, you trust them, and you're just talking the whole thing through, working the whole thing through until you have complete clarity. He goes on, Listen to this, this is incredible. What happens when the pain in life becomes too much? What happens when the pain in life becomes too much? So I will say what happens. Ultimately, a person can't talk anymore. They can't talk anymore. So we'll say, what happens in life when the pain becomes so much and you can't talk anymore? So what do you do? I was in Queens today. I had a shiva visit today. And um, so once I was in Queens, I went to the, I went to the Babacher Rebbe's Ohel. I try to go whenever, uh, whenever I'm in New York. So I was there. And, um, and there, was, there was this person who was diving next to me. And he was, he was saying to him, saying to him, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying my tale, and, and, and I hear, like, I'm listening, like, like, the emotion is building in his voice. Like, the words become more strained. Until, like, he just closed the tale, and I just started crying. He just, he just started crying. And you could tell, like, it was the type of cry was so, it was so heartbreaking. It was just filled with so much intense pain. You know, sometimes a person doesn't have to say anything. And you just, you, you hear in the cry, you know, there, there's crying and there's sobbing. And there's sobbing. And there's crying of happiness. And there's a crying of like elevation. And, and then there's a crying of just brokenness. This was a cry, at least it sounds like a cry of brokenness. The Piagetsna says, isn't it interesting that when we reach like the, the height of emotion, in this context, pain, you don't use words. You don't use words. And we'll say, what is it? It's crying. By the way, what's crying? What's Bechia? Crying is another form of Shira. See, I say, Shira is the expression of sound, often without words. That's a Nigun. Crying is the holiest Nigun. Crying is the holiest Nigun. Everybody says, I have this Nigun, that Nigun. The holiest Nigun of the Jew is Bechia's crying. 
And the Piagesta says, it's not by accident. What, what, what does that show you? Look, look at the words again. He says, When a person's sorrow, a person's pain becomes so intense. I, I can't talk anymore. Ultimately, again, all I could do, all I could do, again, soik means cry out. Bocha means cry. I'm using my call. I'm, using my, I'm not using my words. I'm not using words. I'm using sound, right? I'm using Nagina. I'm using Shira, a different form of Shira. Lachain, Hanigon, Shukolos, page 42. Shakolos, Mechim, Omeririm. Remember again, that's why Shira, what Shira? Shira is sound, sound or music. And by the way, it could be happy sounds, Mechim, or it could be bitter sounds. In other words, we say bitter, sad sounds. But I will say one thing is clear. Which is ma'ora es hargashos ha'adam, the power of music. And when I, I'm using the word music, but music makes it sound like instruments. The power. And so that's I'm using these words interchangeably. Music, song, nigun. The power of music, song, nigun is that it's ma'ora es hargashos ha'adam. It awakens emotion. It awakens emotion. Right. That's music creates an emotional experience. Shabahem. Incredible. What happens when you create an emotional experience for yourself? What does that do? That awakens the soul. Shabbosai, remember again, what is the whole, right? Remember again, in the PHS, what has the Rebbe been teaching us over the last couple of weeks? And again, the Rebbe was teaching us that the truth is what we're looking for is not going to be found through intellect. It's not going to be found through intellect. It's going to be found through the soul. It's going to be found through emotion. So the power of music is, music doesn't speak to the intellect. I don't know, maybe to music people, I don't know, when you hear a piece of music, do you think about, oh, you really hit that note, you hit that note, that's a this. I don't know, maybe to music people feel that way? No. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay, but fine, all right. You're a humble music guy. All right, right. L- 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 no. No, right? I'm seeing like, like... If it touches you, it touches you. Right. So, so I was, even though, again, I was, just to be clear, there is so much chachma in music Right? There's so much wisdom in music, right? Terosi, you know, sometimes you hear like a piece of music and you're like, oh my gosh, like, like the wisdom that went into this, the feeling that went into this. And yeah, you have to know how to compose the notes, the, the right instruments, the this, that. Of course, there's, there's intellect in everything. But the power of music is not that it touches my intellect. Right? It's not, I will say, by the way, I do think, I do think that sometimes... This could be the difference, but there is intellectual music. You know, I, I, I wonder sometimes, sometimes, I don't know this to be true, but I wonder, I'm, I'm not, I don't personally like enjoy classical music. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do it for me. But it's interesting, like over the years, I've heard people who are like fond of classical music speak about the composition, right? The composition is an impressive composition, the right? The Chachma, the Chachma about the composition, like, the dun, the dun, the dun. again, I'm not, I'm not a music person, so I don't know. So I think there is, I think there is such a thing as intellectual music. There is such a thing, I, again, not to say that classical music can't touch the heart, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that at all, but I do think that there is like, I like it like in a, Intellectual level, correct. Like on a uh, skill level, like skill I, level. I'm you impressed. Can appreciate it, even though it's not. Right. I'm impressed with Beethoven's whatever. You know, like again, it might not speak to my soul, but it's a masterful musical composition. That's not what the Piazzetta is talking about over here. What he's talking about over here is music as a power. Yes. I was wondering, we're using the word song and music interchangeably, but like, is there not a difference between listening and singing? 
Uh, there doesn't have, I, 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 I don't know, it could be, I'll tell you, the Piaget stuff doesn't seem to be making that distinction right now. Right? That's what I'm saying. He's using a lot of words interchangeably. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're saying the difference between being active versus passive. Right, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think either way, I think either way, all right, active versus passive. But I think either way, his point would be the same, which is, wh- whatever way you're interacting with that music, one thing that's happening is a soulful awakening. It could, you're, you're probably right. It could absolutely be different depending on active versus passive. Absolutely. So he says, go weiter. So he says as follows. He says. I'm sorry. Uh, good. So now watch this. So here's what I know. Right? Here's what I know. What I know ultimately, again, is that music has the ability to awaken this sense of feeling. And I will say, to use the Piaget's this metaphor, that music can be the incredible vehicle that allows me to access the beautiful waters of spirituality that are in my well. Music is my bucket. Music is my bucket and my rope. Music is what... Now, again, it's not the only bucket and rope, but it is a, a bucket and rope that allows me to access. Now, watch this. So, so now music creates this spiritual awakening. Now, watch the Piaget that says, It's incredible. All music does is awaken emotions. Now, what's the shayla? What's the shayla? What are you going to do with the emotional awakening? Again, j- just to be clear, so now I'm in a heightened sense of feeling, right? A heightened sense of emotion. But says the Piagetzna, all that's been created is this, is, this, is this revelation, is this heightened sense. But what do I do with it? He says, Kemoshi yeshnam shnei smichim. But this is incredible. You could have two people who are both happy. This is a fantastic, incredible piece. One person takes his happiness and uses his inherent simcha to further his service of HaKadosh Baruch Whereas another person of Osai is simcha, is also happy, but his happy is hololos. So how would you translate hololos? Frivolity. Frivolity. Which means, I'll give you an incredible marshal. You see a guy dancing at a wedding. See a guy dancing at a wedding, right? And Mamish, like he's dancing, he's dancing, and his kishka's out, right? Dancing, dancing, dancing. And I'll say, how would you characterize that person? How would you characterize him? Depends on the dancing. Depends on the appropriate dancing, right? right? I was like, how, happy. What kind of happiness? Simcha, like, ruach. Ruach, right? Kedusha. So we'll say, it depends, right? What does it depend on? If he's been hitting the bar, you know, since, uh, you know, since, since the Shemagis part, right? And he's just out of his mind and he's just dancing. So I will say, that's called holos. That's called frivolity. Versus if he's of sound mind and is deciding to go ahead and participate in the simcha of chasen and kala, that's simcha. Simcha means a simcha shal kedusha. So I will say, so in life often, it's difficult to discern the difference. So I will say, how do you know the difference between simcha of holos Versus Simcha of Kiddusha. I know the difference. There's one core difference. I'm not going about this. The Simcha of Hololos is usually means you're running from something. The Simcha of Kiddusha is you're running to something. Right? So say a person is all in a good mood, happy, go lucky. Why? Because he had a bunch of Lechaims. A bunch of Lechaims. 
that generally, when a person only reaches a state of simcha through a couple of lechaims, you say that's generally indicative that they're running from something. They're running from something. So I need something to mask the pain. I need something to go ahead and kind of like black out that which is happening in my life. And that'll be with simcha. I say that simcha of hololos is a simcha that comes about because you're running away from something. Simcha of kedusha is a simcha that comes about because I'm running towards something. And often the ability to discern the difference between the two is not so easy. Like I said, that the, guy, the guy dancing at the wedding is the, perfect, is the perfect example, right? You can look at him, wow, so beautiful. He's being Masameh and Mekala. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe yes, maybe no. Yes. A hundred percent. Again, but I, I don't know that the Piagestina is even getting into that right now because I think, yes, just like it makes a difference if you're passive or active, there are so many things that could amplify the Shira experience. I think what the Piagestina is trying to do is kind of speak about Shira almost like just in a vacuum. Could there be amplifiers, modifiers, differences in experience? Of course. Of course. Just like, by the way, David, two people could hear the same song and have two very different reactions. I mean, even if they're both inspired, one person's inspiration will look one way. So there are so many variables. He's talking, I think, trying to frame for us a framework, an abstract framework. And in the, although abstract framework is intellectual, right? But the abstract framework, the abstract framework is that shira is the, is the bucket and the rope to your well of a spirituality. Shira is one of the ways in which we can access that inner reservoir of holiness. Look, he goes on. Suppose it's very important. So all shira does, all shira does is it throws the bucket into the well and now you can go ahead and, and bring out the water. Now, you still have to decide what? Still have to decide what? What are you going to do with water? What are you going to do with it? In other words, to be clear, accessing spiritual energy is only the first part of the process. That, that, that's, that's part one. That's part one. Now that you've accessed it, now I have to decide ultimately what am I doing with it? He goes on, he says, So Nigun, as we said before, is one of the keys is one of the keys, which ultimately, again, opens up and awakens the neshama, the nefesh, and ultimately the feelings associated with it. He says, You can have a person who opens up his soul. Right? The soul is opened up. Part of, part of his spiritual energy is revealed. This is incredible. The Piagetsna writes, you know, sometimes you could access your spiritual energy, but not necessarily do the right thing with it. So most imagine the following situation. A person hears Shira, right, a song, whether you're singing, you're listening, whatever the material, you're in shul, you're out of whatever it is, you, Shira, and now again, I feel like the bucket with the rope has just been thrown into the well of my spirituality. So now I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up that ruchnios, I'm pulling up that holiness. So now a person could use it, a person could squander it. 
So he gives examples. What do you, what do you mean, for example, squandering it? He says, sometimes you just don't do it. He'll say, do you know what the greatest challenge of, of inspiration is? He'll say, you know, there are those moments where the bucket has been thrown down into the well, and now you're crank. What do you call that thing? The... Uh, Crank, crank, crank. crank. Good, crank, good. So that's the technical term, right? You're cranking. You're, 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 you're pull, No, there's a better term for it. No, the thing. The turner. The turner. It's a southern term. It's a southern term. The turner, right? Good. Okay, the crank, right? Whatever. But you're pulling it up. Pulling it up. So we'll say. So now, remember again. So now, so now you have, you have that revealed spiritual energy. I will say, so what happens? So what happens? So, so many things happen. Sometimes people just take the water in the bucket. And what do they do? What do they do? They just leave it there. They just leave it there. Or sometimes worse, they spill it out. But he says, ridiculous. It's not true. How many times does it happen that we have inspiration in life? The says that if you have a moment of inspiration, the you know what you should do? He says, open up a safer. He says, even open up a chumash and just read a pasuk. Even if it's Vaidabra Shal Moshe Lehmar. Why? Because the Rebbe says what you've just done is you've taken your inspiration and you've plugged it into something concrete. Right? Now, now, forever, you have that Pasuk. That Pasuk you read, that's yours. So when your inspiration is gone in two minutes from now, which is the way inspiration works, you have something. She wants to say, so often in life we draw the waters up, but I don't plug it into anything. So if I don't plug it into anything, if if I don't do anything with it, that's the equivalent of just leaving it in the bucket. Or worse, sometimes I take the inspiration, I just, I plug it in the wrong way. I do the, I do the wrong thing, right? I could get involved in the simcha of holos, which is even worse, because then I'm not even just leaving the water in the bucket, but I'm actively spilling it on the ground. So the Piazzetta, just to be clear, will say, this is very, it's interesting, we're actually going to learn something very similar tomorrow in Shara Bitochen. That what we're going to, the piece we're going to do tomorrow is actually very similar to this idea, that drawing the, accessing the water is step one, Accessing the water is step one. I'm sorry? I know, me too, me too, right? Accessing the water is step one, right? Cranking it or turning, cranking it up, right? Is step two, right? And then ultimately, which is really one and two are really the same thing. But then the next step I will say is, okay, so, so what, what, what am I doing with it? What, wait, now what? Now what? There's a bucket full of spirituality. There's a bucket full of emotion. There's a bucket full of holiness. Now what? Now what? So the rabbi says, he goes on, he says, I will say now, even worse, I will say sometimes people also use emotion in all the wrong ways. We're going to talk about this more. I will say, but sometimes emotion fuels a sense of sadness. See, I will say, understand, we're going to stop with this tonight, but the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara works in all kinds of ways. And one of the things, the spoke. When did we speak about this? Did we speak about this? Maybe on Shabbos, past Shabbos. I don't know. Okay, we spoke about this sometime recently. The Yitzhara works in all kinds of ways. Oh yeah, Gachon. So by by Morty Miller's bar mitzvah, right? That the way the Yitzhara works, about said the way the Yitzhara works is the Yitzhara just tries to derail any positive momentum you may have. Right? So, Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa, like, everybody thinks the Sahara, the job of the is to get you to sin. No. The Sahara gets me to give up on myself. Uh, because the moment I give up on myself, then what? Then what? Then the truth is, anything is... If, if, if I give up on myself, so of course, I could do any Avera. Why? Because it doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want. 
Shabbos says something incredible that sometimes, it's, listen, listen to how profound this is. Sometimes when there's a surge of emotion, how does the Yitzhar try to derail that? By diverting that emotion into a sense of sadness and despair. I will say, if you think about it, by the way, overwhelming emotion, just a moment, overwhelming emotion, over, over, or overwhelming inspiration, often like hovers in between unbridled optimism and a sense of despair and sadness. Right? Yeah, yeah, anyone ever feel that? I know, I know when we were on the Yarche Kalo, in the Yarche Kalo, right? and I'm sorry, despair. No, no, I'm saying we had experiences like this that we're not getting into, but like you have these incredible, overwhelming moments of inspiration, and yet for some reason you feel like a tinge of sadness. Now, that tinge of sadness sometimes is I'll never be able to recreate this, I'll never truly measure up, I'll never become the best version of me. And you're like, why, why am I feeling this now? Right, this is a good moment. Right, this is a good moment. This is when things are going well. So why is it that in some of the most inspired moments, I feel a certain sense of sadness? That's the Yitzhahara. That's the Yitzhahara. The Yitzhahara is trying to derail that surge of emotion that could be used towards positivity. So the Piaget says, so now you have Shira. Shira allows you to uncover that sense of emotion. So now you're cranking up, right? You're pulling everything up, fantastic. So now pulling it up is only the first part. Now you have to plug it in. So you have to avoid A, using it in the wrong way and also allowing that emotion to be diverted into a sense of sadness and despair. Yes? There's a lot clear because there seems to be, for the most part, there's two aspects to a song. The nigun, the tune, and the words. It seems like he's addressing the tune. But isn't many times the real, something that you really derive the benefit from is using the nigun to, to better appreciate the word. Not, but this doesn't seem to be what he's saying. Not api chasidus. Api chasidus, the highest level of song is a nigun without words. That's because words, see, the power, a word, a word is limited. Right? A word is limited. Right? A word has a definition. A word has a meaning. A word has a description. So the spoken word... Michael, I'll give you an example. Give you an example. You ever tell your wife you love her? Excellent. Good, good. That was a test. Excellent. Good. By the way, it's, it's recorded. It's recorded. It's recorded. She can access. She can access. We'll give her the, we'll give her the time stamp, the time stamp and everything. Let me ask you a question. Does, 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 you started this. You started this. No, no. But let me ask you, just on a serious note. Does the word I love you do justice to the way you feel about your wife? No, because that's the limitation of words, right? The limitation of words is you want to ask me, how do I feel about my wife? I, I could use words that exist in language. I could use words like that. Is there any word or string of words that captures how I feel? No, I love my children. Is there anything, you know, we know when, when, that's why when kids are little, right? You have little children, it's the cutest thing. They want to tell you how much they love you. What do they say? Like, I love you this much, right? This much, right? This much. Because why? Because even as a child, a child also understands that I love you is a word. So in their simple, you see, I will say, what's the whole goal? The whole goal in life is to be a child. The whole goal in life is to be Pasha. Even a child understands. My parents, I want to tell you that I love you, but love is a word. A word is finite. 
So how do I show you that I love you even more than any word could say? So in their own simple, pashat way, they stretch out their arms this much, this much. See, that's why in Chassidus, the highest level of Shira, is Shira is nigun, without words. Without words, because as beautiful as words are, and as meaningful as words are, and there's no question, you're right, many times for us in the Shira, it's actually, again, <coughs> sometimes it's the tune, and sometimes it's actually the words. Boy, I think what the Rebbe is describing over here is the highest level of Shira, which is just Nigun. Because that is, with, first of all, without words, there's no intellect, right? The use of language, by definition, is intellectual. So if you remove the words, there's no intellect. And a Nigun, you know, what does a Nigun mean? What does a Nigun mean? What does, Hevra, what does a Nigun mean? Right? It can mean whatever you want it to mean, right? It, can, it means different things to different people. Words are words, right? There's only so many definitions that you could give to words. I guess, you know, unless you're a politician. Like, like for regular people, right? There's only, so many, there's only so many definitions you could give to a particular word, right? But a Nigun, limitless. Limitless. So the Rebbe goes on. He says as follows. He says, "In besimcha, God, ad shenofam in betchonu v'amunosav va'osa gamasim ashal yasur." All right, we'll see. You know, we're going to stop over here for tonight. It's already ten after. We'll stop over here for tonight. So we'll say again. We're going to continue Mir Hashem in this in this next week. But again, just to kind of summarize, kind of summarizing to bring this together. Piyajesna introducing us to based on the base Aaron, based on the base Aaron, the pasuk ultimately that tells us to shuri mirosh hamana, the highest level of emuna, ultimately again is shira. Because Shira will say, again, if we understand that the, pa- the problem, the challenge we have in life is not acquiring. The challenge we have in life is accessing. And Shira is one of the ways in which we have the ability to access our innate holiness. But accessing the holiness is only part one. After I access it, then figuring out how to properly use it and not to waste it, that becomes even a bigger challenge. We'll say we'll stop over for tonight. Shabbat everyone. And we're not finished with this. Much more to do in Merit next week. Incredible. Shabbat. I can't. I'm traveling. Phone calls.